Hello and welcome to Restoration Church's teaching podcast. We are in Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss and I'm one of the team members here. And uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you could tune in. Will you please take a moment just to grab your Bible and we are going to dive in together. All right. Cool. Thank you guys so much. That's enough joy for now. Um, let's just settle down, will you? Um, so tonight, uh, today, the whole day, but tonight is, is Halloween, and there'll be a whole bunch of uh, kids and maybe some adults too uh, that put on costumes, they put on masks, and they go uh, from door to door, they go to a party, and they pretend to be something that they're not. That's one thing for kids to do. Um, I'll give a pass for those of you adults that are into that sort of thing, too. That's okay. But I think one of the worst things that followers of Jesus could do would be to pretend to be something that we're not. And there's too much of that going on in the world around us, especially as followers of Jesus, and where our time in the Word today takes us is a conversation about faking fruitfulness. Uh, we're, we're in the book of Mark, and we're landing uh, our study in the book of Mark by Thanksgiving. And these last handful of chapters of Mark walk us through the final week of Jesus' life and uh, on earth here. And last week, we talked about the triumphal entry and this, this amazing moment where Jesus has set his sights on Jerusalem and he's made his way to Jerusalem. And he arrives now, not in secret, but announcing that he is king, he is Messiah. And he rides in in a very humble, gentle fashion on the back of a donkey. And by uh, our accounting of things that we kind of did, the difficult work on the calendaring and whatnot, um, he, he rides in on Lamb Selection Day because this is Passover week. And so people would have been celebrating Passover and families and the temple itself would have selected a lamb that was going to be sacrificed several days later. And the day that they were selecting the lamb to be sacrificed is the day that Jesus rides into town. And that's Palm Sunday, but by our accounting of things, it was probably Sunday evening, which by their Jewish accounting of time, sunset to sunset, that would have been the 10th, which was lamb selection day, and then uh, he headed back to Bethany. Now it's Monday. It's Monday morning, and Jesus and his crew wake up, and they're going to go back into Jerusalem. And when he wakes up, Jesus is hungry. Go figure. You know, Jesus has needs like you and I do. He, he was a human being. And so there were times where he was hungry. There was times where he was thirsty. There was times where he was uh, tired of being around people. And there were times where he needed his friends. I mean, he experienced uh, quite the scope of, of our humanity and human emotion, and yet um, was without sin. 
Well, he's hungry and he looks at a distance and he sees a fig tree that had leaves on it. Good news. Because when fig trees produce leaves, it means they're also producing figs. Or they should be. If you have leaves, you should have figs. That's the way the tree works. But look at what happens. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Here's Monday in the Passion Week. The next day, when they came out from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And so he is hungry and he saw the leaves. And so he thought there would be figs because that's what happened when the leaves show up. But he walks up, there are no figs. It's not the season for figs. And yet the leaves were on the tree. And so hence the, the confusion. And Jesus now turns and curses the tree. His disciples hear it. By the end of this passage, we won't get into too much detail of it, but the fig tree withers and dies. This is going to be symbolic for a lot of things. And for those of you end times people that start to salivate when you hear about <laughs> the end times and those sorts of things, hang on because there's another fig tree moment in Mark chapter 13 that actually addresses the end time stuff. So fig tree people, hang on. <laughs> Landon will cover that one. <laughs> but the deal was this, this. The trouble wasn't that the tree didn't have figs. The trouble wasn't that the tree wasn't producing fruit. The trouble was that it was having leaves that told you fruit is here, and yet there was no fruit. The problem was that this tree was all leaves and no fruit. The problem was that the tree was all show and no go. The problem was that the tree was all talk, all appearance, and really nothing to offer. It's not a good situation for a tree. It's really not a good situation for the people of God. And yet there's times where we can be that way. When we advertise, hey, we've got substance. Hey, we've got life change. Hey, there's real fruit to be had in a relationship with God and this community of believers who have their sights set on God. There's fruit to be had from God and fruit to be had in this relationship with him and relationship with other followers. And then to get in and only discover, hey, there's no fruit, it's just leaves. That's a rough spot to be in. I don't want to be that person. If I'm honest, I, there's probably seasons where I have been that person. In 2 Timothy, Paul references this moment when he's trying to encourage his young protege, Timothy, who's wading into ministry. 
And Paul warns his young protege, watch out because there's people that have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. They've got the leaves, but they just don't have any fruit. Galatians chapter 5, we get the fruit of the Spirit listed out. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you, just, just hearing briefly that list, how many of you would love more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness in your own life? Because you're not thinking about your spouse or your friend right now. You're just thinking about you. We, we all, I want more of that fruit in my own life. I wish that was more evident also, yes, in the people around me. I wish that sort of fruit was just in abundance in the church. I wish that fruit was in abundance in our culture, in our whole world. I mean, this is what we all really want. It's what we really all need. And yet, um, it's one thing to lack fruit when it's just not in season. It's another thing to lack it while pretending like you have it. And that's the issue with this tree. And that can be the issue with followers of, of Jesus too. There are seasons for fruit, right? There are seasons. There are seasons of our life. There are seasons in, I'm not much of a farmer, I'm not a farmer at all, but I'm aware of, uh, you know, tree cycles, and trees don't bear fruit year-round, do they? There's a season for trees to bear fruit. There's a season for trees to be growing the fruit. There's a season for pruning. There's a season for rest, which from the outward appearance, sometimes the tree even looks dead, and yet the roots are still there. There's still activity going on, but from the outward appearance, it doesn't look like it. But what I just want to be careful uh, for my own life is there's no season for faking fruit. And I think that's kind of where the word is taking us, where, where Jesus is trying to emphasize right here. The, the longer I'm walking with Jesus in my own life, and the more that I interact with other Christians, other followers of Jesus, here's what I'm really coming to value. People who are transparent, Christians who are humble, Christians who are honest about what they're struggling with, Christians that are just outright clear that they're reliant on Jesus. They're actually reliant and dependent on God for everything. Transparency, honesty, humility, reliance is greater than fake holiness. You want to talk about a less than, greater than equation for you math people out there? Transparency, honesty, humility, reliance on God being okay to bring up your weaknesses, your stumbling blocks, your failures, your temptations with the people around you, it's always better than fake holiness, fake righteousness, pretending like you've got it all together. 
you know, and, and there's something about religion that makes us feel like we need to keep up the appearances all the time. But a relationship with Jesus, our God, who's so empathetic, who knows what it's like to be us and the struggles that we have, he invites that transparency. He invites that humility. He modeled humility himself. And so I can come to Jesus anytime. I don't have to fake it around him. And I think he just loves these moments where we just kind of let go of the fake and we let go of the pretense and the show. And in seasons where we've got fruit, hopefully it's good fruit and it's evident. In seasons where we don't have it, we're just saying, hey, we don't have, but we never are just all leaves and no fruit. Now, Mark would do this often in, in his gospel. We've seen it so far. But to kind of emphasize a point, he would take a teaching of Jesus and sandwich an event of Jesus that highlights the teaching of Jesus, he would sandwich the event between two teachings or two moments here. And that's what he's doing here. He sandwiches fig tree, cleansing of the temple, and fig tree to help us understand what this fig tree thing is all about. Because it turns out that it's not just me and you that might have a temptation to fake it to give the appearance of godliness, to give the appearance of righteousness. Hey, we look good, we're living it, but on the inside we know we're not. He's interacted with this fig tree that illustrates what can happen in your life, but what's also going on in the life of the Jewish people, what's going on in Jerusalem, what's going on in the temple. The worship there was fake, and fruitless, just like the tree. And now he's going into Jerusalem to confront fake and fruitless worship in the temple. Why would he do that? Because there's a lot at stake. If we all just live fake, fruitless lives, I mean, what are we doing? If this gathering time here is just fake and fruitless, go spend your time somewhere else. There's fruit to be had. And Jesus like contends for that fruit, that, that love and the joy and the peace and the patience and all those other types of fruit that can be evident in our He fights for that in our lives. He wants that in our lives. And so look at verse 15. It says, they came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple complex and he began to throw out those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple complex. See, there, there was an inner court in the temple where only the Jewish people could worship and interact. And apparently in there, uh, the, the, the money changers, priests were kind of in concert with them. They turned it into this place of business where they were just taking advantage of people. 
It wasn't a business of blessing. It wasn't a business, a marketplace where you uh, took some uh, opportunity to put some people to work and then take those funds and return it back to bless people that needed it. It wasn't anything like that. They would have to go in and use their currency, exchange it for temple currency. And while they were exchanging money like that, then they would inflate the rate and profit off of that exchange. They'd make them buy certain animals for sacrifice uh, that that were just approved by, by them in a way that really was not fair or realistic and overcharge even in that context. And so they were taking advantage. The outer court is where non-Jewish people could interact. Uh, Gentiles could do business and interact with God, and yet there, now for people who maybe didn't really know God but were invited into that context, now they were being subject to a whole bunch of junk a place that was meant to even be worshipful or a connecting point for people who didn't know God was now a place that was taking advantage of people. It was disgusting. And so no wonder Jesus goes in. Jesus is what? He's full of grace and truth. And I'm thankful for both. And I'm thankful that he's a both and. This was very strongly, though, a moment of, you know what, this isn't just a look the other way and, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. His truth and his justice is going to go in and contend for good things and fight for people that were being hurt and taken advantage of. And he puts an end to this abuse that was going on within the church, within worship. My goodness, that's, 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 that's a sacred space and sacred ground and to have it be twisted and manipulated and it's disgusting. And I'm glad Jesus fights for it. I think there's horrible effects to this fake fruit, this fake and fruitless worship where they were just profiting off people and turning the temple into something that would profit them rather than having anything to do with God. Verse uh, 17 and 18, Jesus began to teach them. They're just verse 17. He began to teach them, it is not written, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So there's a hint that the work that Jesus is doing is not just for the Jewish people, it's for them and the rest of the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. He calls it out. And at the core, the church, when we gather here, is meant to be a house of prayer, a place where we're, yes, praying, but also in communion like we are in prayer, in relationship with God. We pray when we're worshiping. That is actually a form of prayer. This time we're in his word and, and he's speaking to us through his word and we're listening. I mean, that's in, in effect, that communion with God and that interaction with him. That's what he wants this gathering time to, to be, not a time of abuse. I mean, it seems to make sense, but you look around and there's so many places and so many moments, unfortunately, where 
Churches can just be all about appearance and not about fruit. They can fake it. I can get up here and fake it. You in your own Christian life, you can fake it. What's that really do? It's not helpful to anyone. And I think there's horrible, lasting consequences and effects of faking fruitfulness. One would be something like, we're all show with no real power for life change. If we're just leaves and no fruit, there really isn't any love, there's no joy, there's no peace, there really isn't any self-control going, there's nothing that the Spirit of God is actually doing, we're just pretending like there is, then it's just a big show. And people get drawn into the show for a little while and then discover, wait a minute, why is there no real life change going on? I'm entertained, but I'm not ever changed. I don't know that the Lord's really, I look back in a year or five years or whatever it is, and there's not much shift. Two, I think another effect is that it allows people to get lured in, but at the same time, um, when they're getting lured in, they're just getting lured in to be taken advantage of. And we should have our, that on our radar. And, and even as a church, as restoration, for us just to be open and honest and say, gosh, we don't want to lure you in. We know there's a bunch of you here that you go, you know, I don't really know that I have a relationship with Jesus yet. And we don't want to do like a bait and switch sort of thing on you. We pretend, we fake it, it's all leaves and no show. We want to be honest with you. But we don't want to lure you in and then take advantage by going, oh, we got you here, and it's really just so we can abuse you or get your money. I think another horrible effect of faking the fruitfulness like we saw in the temple here is that it's, this, it's the opposite of what, what they should have been doing was giving out fruit and instead they were taking. They should be giving love of the Spirit and joy of the Spirit and giving all the fruits of the Spirit, giving peace and spiritually and whatnot, giving out all these different elements of fruit, but rather they were taking advantage. Instead, they were ripping off people. Instead, they were inflicting harm and hurting. That's the exact opposite thing of what the people of God should be about, especially when they gather together and worship. No wonder Jesus is so like, bothered by what he's seeing here. And maybe the worst effect of them all is that I think when there's fake fruitfulness, it can really obstruct people getting to know God, the real God. It can be this stumbling block. How many times in our own culture have we heard or seen or maybe you've experienced yourself? You know, I think I love God. I just don't like his people. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. And one of the things, whether it's fair or not or whatever, that gets leveraged an awful lot is the hypocrisy. And a lot of it's real. People are just tired of leaves and no fruit. Now, that's humbling for, for me. It's, 
should be humbling for all of us, but it's, it's not a, shouldn't be a source of condemnation because the reality is we're all broken. We're all going to make mistakes. None of us can pull this off perfectly. To be a follower of Jesus is really just admitting, yes, I need a savior. I need rescue. I need help. I can't just produce fruit on my own. You know, John 15, Jesus tells that story of the vine and the branches. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. And that's such a great picture. And he says, it's to my glory that you bear fruit. So just simplifying it, Christians, we're supposed to be bearing fruit. And it's supposed to be good fruit, not the bad fruit. But we're supposed to abide in him, and when we do, the byproduct is fruit. I can't produce fruit on my own, especially the fruit that he's talking about. But when I disconnect from Jesus, then my tendency is to just produce leaves and not fruit. As for some reason, I can fake enough of the appearance. <laughs> but have you ever walked past a vineyard and heard the vine going, and then a grape popped out. You've never seen that or heard that. Because the, the branch doesn't have to try hard to produce fruit. It just needs to stay connected to the vine the life-giving source, and then naturally what comes out of a abiding relationship with the vine is fruit. And so this really brings us back just to our own relationship with Jesus and not just us trying harder on our own. So how would we stop this fake? How would we stop the fruitlessness? How could we be vigilant against it? Um, one, I think we got to start with ourself. And two, we got to start with our fellow believer. I know it's not rocket science, but I think we start with ourselves. Just a real honesty and transparency between you and the Lord on a daily basis, maybe an hourly basis. Lord, I'm finding myself wanting to disconnect. Uh, Lord, I'm, wanting, I'm finding my pride wanting to produce a whole lot of leaves when I know in my heart of hearts there's not much fruit, I just need to be honest with you about that. I don't want to be like that. I know you don't want me to be like that. I don't have to fake it. Start with ourselves. Remember when Jesus talked about the um, planks in our eye and the speck in our brother or sister's eye? And he said, hey, remember, why would you ever just get concerned about the speck in your brother or sister's eye when you yourself have a big old plank or log coming out of your own eye. He says, first deal with your own plank or log coming out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly the speck in your brother's or sister's eye. Start with yourself. It's not prohibiting judgment. It's just saying, don't be hypocritical when you do. Start with yourself. Then move to your, your brother or sister. Then move to your fellow believer. Now, this is huge. And, and this is a little bit dangerous, but I, I want to walk you through something super quick, and then we'll wrap this up. In, in 1 Corinthians, 
1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, there's been some sin in the church. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? There's been people doing sinful stuff in the church. And he's, Paul, that's writing this letter to the believers in Corinth, are, are needing to be called out on it. And it turns out it's pretty disgusting. But look at what he says, verse 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you'd have to leave the world. Oh, okay. It turns out, if you read a little earlier, disgusting, what was going on in the church was that there was someone, a, a young man that was sleeping with his uh, mother-in-law. Hmm. But he says, verse 11, but now I'm writing you to not associate with anyone who claims to be a believer who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or a swindler. That's just covering the categories. It's not just citing just those things. Uh, do not even eat with such a person. Now, this is key. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders or those outside the church? Don't you judge those who are inside but God judges outsiders. Okay, there you go. It's God's job to judge those who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. That's not your job. It's not my job. Our job, however, is to judge inside. It is. If we are fellowship of believers following Jesus, then our job is to hold each other accountable. And if we see fake fruitfulness, then to address it. God's job to judge those outside the church. Our job to focus on the inside. I think as a whole, the Christian church has done the exact opposite. We focus all our attention on people who don't know Jesus, often to the neglect of our own brothers and sisters, and for sure, to the neglect of ourselves. And that just allows fake fruitfulness. It allows the leaves, but no fruit. And, and God's just saying that it's the opposite. So start with yourself, but then we got to look at each other honestly. Now, I want to be very careful because <laughs> basically just handed you a loaded weapon to go judge each other. So let me... <laughs> Let me give you a couple quick uh, tips on this, recommendations that I believe are biblical because this is, a, this is super important. And those of you that are real, the truth people, you need to listen more, okay? One, when it comes to fake, fake fruitfulness and we start to see it, then walk yourself through this process before you open your mouth, okay? One, make sure that you're self-aware with your issues first. Make sure you're self-aware with your issues first. Make sure you're self-aware with your issues first. 
Second, make sure you've got a solid, trust-filled relationship with the person that you need to address. In other words, if you see something casually and you don't know the person, zip it. But even more relationship need, right? If you're in relationship and it's a good solid one and there's trust built, well, then there should be that mutual speaking into each other's lives. We get ourselves into trouble, though, when we don't have any relationship. We've never made any deposits into somebody's life, and then we try to go make a withdrawal. It's a recipe for disaster. So make sure you got a good relationship. If you don't have it, but you see something, maybe you know someone who does have a relationship with that person, and maybe they'd be a better candidate for the conversation. Third, make sure you pray for the person in the situation before you go to the person and address the situation. Pray, pray, pray. You'll be blown away by if you give two weeks, something's bothered you, something's concerned you. And if you're prone to this, your natural inclination, I'm going to go right away and fix it, uh, address it, change them or whatever. Leave that to the spirit. Start to pray for him and say, Lord, change my heart or give me maybe the full picture. But would you work on them too? I've had several of those situations where I know I need to address something and then I just give it a couple of weeks. And who, it just blows me away. Ten days in, two days in, the person comes to me and he goes, you know what, I, can we talk? I've been wondering, I've been wrestling with this thing. And it was the same thing that I knew I needed to, it's because... God's a way better shepherd of his people than we'll ever be. Number four, make sure you're coming coming to them humbly, graciously, and gently. If you're going to have a tough conversation, come humbly, come graciously, and come gently. And then number five, if you can't do numbers one through four, then keep your mouth shut and just pray. Okay? Because we do need to have a conversation. We do need to address stuff with each other. But it does need to be done in a certain manner. And when we really get Jesus' heartbeat on this, it it can be really powerful and, and fruitful. And then lastly, in Mark chapter 11, look at how it wraps up this particular day. Verse 18. Then the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to destroy him, Jesus, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. And whenever evening came, they would then go out of the city. So the chief priests and scribes have just witnessed uh, the cleansing of the temple. They've heard Jesus kind of teaching to it. The crowds now observed it. They're whipped into a frenzy. And the spark has now been lit that is going to burn right up to the cross. Okay, now I just, I just want you to catch this for just a quick second um, because I think a lot of times for us when we look at this week of Jesus, it's easy to consider Jesus just a hapless victim that he didn't know what he was getting into and he's just trying to do the right thing and 
he's getting taken advantage of and that leads to his execution on a cross. Jesus is not just a victim. See, Jesus pushed over the first dominoes himself that led to his own death. He, in a crazy orchestration, he's orchestrating the things that are going to lead him to the cross. Jesus knows what he's in for. And he's doing it in perfect timing to line up with the day of Lamb's selection is when he rides in and why what he orchestrates on the days in between that and the cross, when they're examining him as the capital L Lamb to see that he's without blemish, it's going to end up with him going to the cross within the same time frame as the Passover lamb being slain. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He's orchestrating this. He's going through this for a reason, for a purpose. And a huge part of it was to bring an end forever to fake, fruitless living. He's going to go to the cross to bring an end to fake, fruitless worship. Because if that's all our life is about, it's a waste. And Jesus doesn't want this life or eternal life to be a waste. There's so much fruit to be had here and now, and there's fruit like we can't possibly imagine awaiting us in heaven. And Jesus would be willing to do anything to shift off the fake and shift off the fruitlessness and make his people a fruit that's beneficial and reflective to the world, represents him and his coming kingdom well. And so gracious heavenly father, um, just thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for, uh, pinpointing those areas in our life where we know in our heart of hearts we might be faking it. Thank you for your grace in those moments. But thank you also for your truthfulness. Thank you for pointing out areas in us and being diligent in removing areas in us, pruning areas in us that are fruitless Lord, we we desperately need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and all the fruit that you have in mind for us to produce. So Father, help us just abide in you. Help us be honest with areas that we know are struggling and invite you to work in those areas. And then, Lord, we also ask for you to give us gracious eyes to those outside of a relationship with you, knowing it's very difficult for them to produce any fruit when they're not attached to you. But thank you that you have them in mind, too, and you care about their lives. Pray for those even in this room today that don't have a relationship with you. 
Father, that you would overwhelm them with your love, but also be clear with them that you've got something more for them. If that's you here in this room here today, you just need to have a conversation with God right where you're at and just talk to him on your own. There's no magic formula or prayer, but just in the honesty and sincerity of your heart, you just say something like, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm not following you. And whether that's just because I've been ignorant to it or willfully so, God, I'm, I'm lost and I need you. I need you to sit in the driver's seat of my life. Please forgive me of my sin. And God, would you bring some real fruit into my life? Would you cleanse me and make me whole, but would you also start to produce amazing things like love and joy and peace with you toward myself, toward other people. I want you to sit in the driver's seat of my life today. I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord. You are God. I want to follow you today. You just talk to him right now if that's you. And if that is you and you had that conversation, would you just tell one of us up here before you go today so we could just pray for you, answer any questions you might have? The rest of you in here that may be wrestling with a particular area, you've already had that time of confession, but you know, you can talk to him anytime. Just be honest and transparent with him. And then, Father, give us real discernment for conversations we need to have with our actual brothers or sisters, people we're in relationship with. Help us speak the truth, but help us to do it in love, graciously, humbly, and gently for your glory's sake so that more fruit can abound. We don't have to fake it. Thanks, we don't have to fake it around you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, one of the most powerful ways that we can just spend some time responding, really the only appropriate way to respond, is just acknowledging again that reliance and dependence on our precious Jesus. And communion is the means that he gives us as a consistent reminder for us to declare our dependence and reliance on him knowing that he's the one that produces the fruit. He's the one that does the work. It's not us trying harder. It's us communing with him. He's done everything possible to make it possible for us to be in relationship with him. Communion's a precious time for us to partake in that communion and respond to him, rest in him, depend on him, rely on him for whatever it is that we need going forward especially the fruit that we want to see be evident in our lives. The elements are up here in front. There's a little bit of a bread there that represents his body, which was broken for you. And then there's a drink. The cup represents his blood that was shed for you. And the call is that whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, that you would remember the person and the work of Jesus rest in what he's done for you, his love for you, and that relationship that he's got for you. Declare your dependence on him. So we're going to just wrap up with one last time of song. But before that, we're going to invite you 
to come take the elements, go back to your seat. You can take those on your own, spend a little time with the Lord, and we'll wrap up our time together. So come, respond, and take communion. Take it back to your seat as you feel led. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, we are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And again, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. So glad that you were able to join us. And uh, if this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a little while and um, are still doing the online thing, I just want to encourage you, go get plugged in. Um, Restoration may not be the church for you and that's okay, but I want to encourage you, go get plugged in with the local body. Is there a church in your area that you could trust and join and, and be a part of the body of Christ? There's something that is really valuable and important about journeying together with other people who are on the journey of practicing the way of Jesus. And so um, whatever that looks like, if restoration is a, a place that you could call home and you're in Prescott, Arizona, or in one of the quad cities in the area, we would love for you to join us. If not, I just really want to encourage you, um, go get plugged into a local body. It's really, really valuable. Um, and I truly believe it is important for us on our journey of faith. And so um, again, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.